0: The Cellcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience.
1: Not this week. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who, uh, well, he just doesn't feel like going by the tanners. Welcome, Jacob. Yeah, because
2: I would just be like, I'm not feeling like getting a tan right now, because that like, gets expensive, and I don't want to turn yellow or orange. Wrong kind of tanner. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. Why, thank you. Let me use a co-host. A, a man who was trying to sell a donkey, but wound up selling a talking donkey from Shrek. Welcome, Drew. Something
1: about pancakes. Oh. No waffles waffles <laughs> in the morning i'm making waffles no i'm
2: not anyway how are you doing jacob man i'm doing pretty good i'm pretty good pretty good. right right yeah um <laughs> whoo it, it's been interesting it's been yeah. interesting, it's, been last, interesting but it's almost been two weeks almost two weeks now recording wise yes yeah, recording wise uh because we were so, a half. week and a half we can have we'll report on friday we had conflict issues and we both
1: decided we'd rather go to a concert than record a podcast
2: exactly and then we thought so, we were gonna record on saturday
1: though admittedly
2: you didn't really get a say in the matter no because <laughs> because my my wonderful Your girlfriend bought tickets, the tickets bought tickets it's like okay never mind <laughs> which the concert was wonderful anyway uh so we thought we were gonna do it on saturday i had family issues on, i ha- we both had co- conflicts then too
1: mm-hmm.
2: so basically that, so we were recording this on saturday not live no this is sunday sunday sorry wrong date
1: sunday (laughs) sunday 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 ironically we're doing a tas on sunday haven't done that in years wow since our first try at season two of rapunzel's tangled adventure
2: right oh my gosh yeah so anyway yeah anyways uh last friday me and my wonderful girlfriend ashley went to uh, we went to Tyler, which is a few miles down the road from where we live. Um, and we did we did a carriage ride. Uh, we went and saw It's a Wonderful Life in theaters. We had a ate at a very good restaurant in a downtown district. Mm-hmm. And then let's see, the week rolled by, and uh, obviously for the conflict, we did uh,
1: we were at a concert at uh, the tr- at Green Acres Baptist Church. Church.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It
1: had Danny Gokey mm-hmm. and Natalie Grant were the headliners, mm-hmm. which was a very good concert,
2: very very good concert.
1: I was expecting them to be like to get two different sets from them, not a combined set. Yeah, which threw me off. Yeah, I I, I I found that
2: very interesting. I mean, they, they when would, the, they, would, they would they would swap
1: when the headlining group ended. I looked down at my watch and saw that it was you know an hour and a half had passed. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, man, this must be a long concert if they're all getting this much time mm-hmm. to perform and yeah natalie and danny got were had a a combined set so it's like oh okay Mm -hmm.
2: well so we won't be here until midnight just till 10 o'clock yeah just till 10 o'clock and then the next day me and again me and ashley drove to a family christmas um that was fun that was Mm -hmm. interesting um i was preparing her the entire time be like yeah you're probably gonna get you know chatted to death or something like that but no my family was really great with her and uh it, it was it was a wonderful time It'd be like you get a whale elephant and the whole bit it was great mm-hmm. and uh yeah and then next week christmas. it's christmas It's christmas it's sunday and then obviously we uh we had church this morning we're recording on a sunday mm-hmm. and uh great service i got asked if i want to uh, do video so i did video this morning which was switcher great. or just camera camera ah uh, i was i was doing camera three while you were on i thought i saw
1: you on camera three yeah but i wasn't sure because you're about the only person from our sunday school class besides don i could see <laughs> i wasn't sure it was you though because the camera was
2: blocking your face but uh true i
1: recognize the rest of your silhouette
2: oh okay gotcha
1: that's not creepy at all no
2: it's not <laughs> at all no it's not oh man but uh yeah, I'm looking forward to Christmas. Uh hope you guys are doing very well tonight or this morning this afternoon. We're whenever recording. you're listening whenever to this. Whenever you're listening to this. Uh so yeah, that has been my week and a half. How about you, Drew?
1: It's been an interesting week. Like you said. We were at we did the we did the concert Friday. Mm-hmm. Um I was visiting my parents uh last weekend mm-hmm. because Wednesday was my birthday.
2: Yeah. You're not going to jump on that at oh, all, yeah. are you? Happy birthday. <laughs> I got distracted by my phone. I apologize. You, did, you waited until the two days after. Wish I didn't realize birthday. it again. My
1: apologies. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time, dude, because it's fun. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I am. I tell you how old I am, but I'm old enough. I don't care anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, other than that, I had a good week. Cool uh did get to guest on another podcast that's not out yet because you know i'm doing those common writer episodes with nathan right right we did record another one yesterday so keep an eye out for that when it comes out i was told that you needed to listen to part of that episode
2: of which of uh
1: Henschenman. Henschenman. okay what about common writer oh, okay you get mentioned oh boy Okay, send me the link. <laughs> Whenever it gets released. Whenever it gets dropped. Because <laughs> that's so, just how that goes. So I think he, he got, he's got enough podcasts to edit on his plate right now, and uh, I'm not rushing
2: him on anything. I got you. So I just I want to jump in there, because uh, I had a chance to listen to the episode we did with Nate on uh, Monster, Monster on Film and Film Ball, Vault. which I hadn't listened to yet. And there is, there is a certain segment that goes on the episode where I, I think Nate in his be like didn't warn us what was, what was gonna happen which was wise <laughs> which was very wise but i found myself laughing the entire time because obviously nate uh does uh power rangers he, the he plays drama. rito he plays rito
1: on power rangers
2: the audio which would be like he, and, he sh- and rito showed up in that episode
1: of monster Island film vault
2: yes it's so we're called in anyway he called in and it, it was the most it was the funniest thing in the planet because you can hear in the background i don't know why nate didn't uh you know edit you know edit this or he told know. me oh he did he told me why he didn't because he thought
1: that uh, our reactions were very natural on how he would have expected someone to react if, or you know
2: called okay perfectly fine but <laughs> oh my gosh be like I, I i could hear myself giggling in the background it was yeah. the fun i was laughing while i was laughing which, uh, which I don't. Recording. I, I don't know why we're acting like it wasn't like like, like it
1: was scripted or anything as it wasn't i mean that was we were there on monster island when all this was going on exactly so,
2: exactly uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that was oh my gosh that, was, that just was us laughing in the booth that is true that is so true so yeah apparently i'm gonna need to listen to henchman whenever that episode comes out
1: let's just say there's a connection to our talk about frogs oh okay <laughs> There was a monster on there that was, uh, oh, no, sorry. It was, it was Canary Condor. That was the monster. Not Canary Condor. I did it again. Canary Cobra. That's even more confusing. (laughs) It's half Canary, half Cobra. Yeah, that. (laughs) And I don't want to spoil anything, but he just said no kisses
2: oh no (laughs) okay i'm delighted to listen to that so yeah we'll get
1: whenever that comes out i don't know when he's gonna get because i don't think he's released the other one i'm in yet but anyway doesn't matter right now uh but yeah that was a good time yesterday and of course i got to go visit some more family that's not blood related but might as close enough there might as well be family fair kind of a thing yeah uh we were doing that christmas last night and then of course church this morning and Mm -hmm. I didn't I uh, did not know we were singing this morning until about an hour beforehand dun, dun, when dun. Don mentioned it in class. Ooh, you didn't get the memo? I didn't get the memo. And uh, one of those songs, I don't know. Oh, that we did this morning, I did not know going into it, so I just kind of winged we it. Didn't. And I didn't and the other and the other ones that were not from the cantata that we did this morning? Mm-hmm i did not have the music in front of me so i didn't know when we were supposed to come in or out i just kind of did what everyone else did I, and i was the only tenor so it's like well i could sing whatever tenor part i want no one's gonna know <laughs> so yeah Conf- confession from a tenor confession from the only tenor this morning true so yeah that was fun anyway yeah jacob i have a question for you
2: yes
0: what have you been watching what have I
2: been watching? Let me pull up my nice little pad here. And... All right. So, uh, I think last week, like late last week, I watched Demolition Man on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. That is a silly movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes. And it's it's a funny film. It's very much... <clears throat> uh it's more like a utopia fascist world dystopia dystopia not really dystopia it's not dystopia no it's not dystopia so it's it's a fascist utopia it's a fascist utopia okay yeah and then uh will seem like oxymoronic terms but go right ahead uh, sylvester sloan's character is uh, cry gently frozen for 40 years and he's unfrozen in this time period. He was frozen today. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's an interesting movie. It's very, very weird. It's a fun little film to watch, but it's very weird. Mm. Um, and recently I'd started now, Grant, I am a big history buff and I love to understand the nuances of how things happen. Yeah. So just take that in a grain of salt. I'm a history nut, so you just take that in salt. Uh, I started watching on Netflix, uh, Hitler's Circle of Evil. Uh, it's a series. Uh, it came out a couple of years ago. Speaking of fascists, yeah. Speaking of fascists, <laughs> yeah, boot stompers. Uh, so I started. I started watching that I think I. I think I have it on. I found it for like a buck ninety, buck ninety nine, on on a on uh, iTunes at one point Mm -hmm. and it's on Netflix. And I was like, Ooh, that sounds like a good idea because it's really interesting how the, the power dynamic within the, the Nazi regime uh, is plays out and how they're trying to up one another to grab Hitler's favor. Right. And it's just, it's very fascinating how power, you know, controls and uh, manipulates and uh, destroys people. So I just I found that very fascinating because they're trying to off each other at the exact same time. I just found that very fascinating. Just, as an amateur historian. Mm-hmm. So other than that, I was watching, I was listening to Monster Island Film Bolt, where we were on uh reviewing Mighty Four from Power Rangers, the movie. That was a fun episode to listen to. Um, yeah, bravo, Nate. Um, I i not know
1: when I get there because I'm three two three months behind
2: ah Two and a half. Two and a half. so
1: i'm the, in october i got you and reference we're in december physically i got so you. that's how far behind in podcasts i am ah
2: yeah working on art other than that that's all i've been doing except uh listen to podcasts we listen to oh what was it i hear voices on the way to my family christmas that's very fun that is christy carlson romano and um crap what's his name uh wow i feel bad i don't remember the, the the other host's name ron yeah, the guy who played the voice, the guy who voiced Ron. Thank you very much. <laughs> I don't much.
1: remember his name either, but Yeah.
2: But we we were listening to like two episodes of that. It's a really, really good, insightful. If you want to understand the, the 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 world of voiceovers and animation, the whole bit, they have done some amazing work with uh like very famous uh voice actors. Mm-hmm and it's it's really worth watching it's really worth listening to uh you can watch them on christy carlson romano's youtube channel and uh you can subscribe to wherever podcasts are you know it's a really really good podcast if you want to listen to something that is you know animation voice acting related all right so that is all i've been watching and listening to what about you well along with the two common writer episodes Mm -hmm. I
1: watched and of course the stuff for tonight's episode today's Mm -hmm. episode whatever the term is there anyway uh I've been watching some more Ultra Q okay the Japanese Kaiju Twilight Zone
2: Outer Limits show that is yeah technically
1: the first series in the Ultraman series of television shows yeah uh I watched like 10 episodes this week without even realizing it wow (laughs) uh yeah, Monday night, when I was supposed to be editing the podcast. Mm, you got distracted. I got distracted, and I watched, like, eight episodes in one night. Wow. Uh, I got thinking, man, I've got so much time today. It's <laughs> so weird. Yeah. And then the next day, I texted you in a hurry. Dude, I forgot to edit the podcast. Do you have album art, or do I need to make it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and honestly, I, honestly, I was this close. I was this close. To doing uh trying just trying to sketch something together. But I was like, you know what? You just take take the rein on that. And he did a really good job with it.
1: It took some trial and error. Uh-huh. But like that's just a photoshopping a lot of different photos together to look like it's none of that's my is actually physical art I made. Yeah. Just a lot of stuff taken from elsewhere. The ship itself actually is from the show. Yeah. But I made it look like a Christmas ornament.
2: Yeah. Very nice.
1: With a little uh let's just say the ship was in peril
2: yeah i agree i agree <laughs> if, if if you if you there's if just you look for it just yeah look just look for, for it. The, the the art and so like if you spot it let us know because it's really really clever because honestly i thought you just took a picture of one of your ornaments
1: nope nope i wish i could have thought of that but no hmm. i okay story time Art story our story, art story time. time okay uh <laughs> I was playing with it a little bit that that, that while after uh, while I was well I was work playing with it pretty mm-hmm. much. Uh, and I had the idea of like, I, I tried a couple different things. I tried a couple different ships, ships, a couple different shots of mm-hmm. it where, you know, editing it out. And I just was not happy with anything I was getting. Finally, I did get something that was about the right angle. I found all the other parts I need, and that sent what I came up with with it separating everything to you, and you said that worked. Mm-hmm. And I was going to leave it at that. Yeah. That's so all I got to thinking. Mm. Every single one of the ones you did has had either the, sh- either a character was in peril, because well, you like to work whatever movie we're watching. Yeah. Just with the Star Trek episode, Exactly. And the Polar Express, you know, I thought, well, let the, but I can that's why i was bringing in the christmas tree uh that's where the that element was from yeah there's plenty of shots of christmas trees in the polar express yeah and i got to thinking about the ornaments Mm -hmm. like how there's always there's tons of star trek ornaments ironically the cerritos Mm -hmm. is not one of those really they have not made a cerritos ornament yet Hmm. uh so he's waiting for it i will probably get come on hallmark (laughs) Well, I mean even uh, Mike McCain, the guy who makes the show, he sent a picture with like a bunch of the Star Trek ornaments, the uh, the, Rom- the the Borg cube, the Romulan mm-hmm. Bird of Prey, you know, this one and this one. Yes. And uh, the the Klingon Bird of Prey which I don't have the ones he the, the ones he had. Yeah. I don't know where that is. He had it <clears throat> situated on his tree and it looked just like that one shot in the opening sequence. Mhm. And the crystalline entity is not there. There's no pack right. led ships, but right, right, right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. wow, that's clever. And he says you know, the Cerritos would look good right here, right where it is on the on the screen in the show. <laughs> and he sent that to Hallmark. Oh, okay. On Twitter. Yeah. Smart. Smart yeah. move. Uh so I got to think of, there's not a there wasn't a Cerritos one, but there's going to be one eventually. You can't
3: yeah.
1: uh, you can't just not have one at all at some point that's true there's been ships that have shown up for three seconds on star trek that have ornaments for crying out loud hmm. um but i just realized i don't think there's a deep space nine ornament either but there should be hmm. anyway uh so i i made it look like it was an ornament hanging from a tree mm-hmm. sent that to you i was gonna leave it as, but i thought i've got to put them in peril somehow yeah And so my temptation was I wanted to find just a single paw reaching (laughs) into the air, preferably with claws out, but, you know, I was going to take what I could get. Right. Never did find what I was looking for that would have worked the way I wanted to. Mm -hmm. So I got one of those pictures of cats staring at Christmas trees for the first time in their lives. Kind
2: of just set it back there somewhere he'll just have to go find it yeah it's fun it's fun so speaking of star trek speaking of star trek trek, trek star trek sorry i'm getting used to saying this word so <laughs> it's i look been three years yes i'm aware so i look up in the tree and i spot the uss enterprise e yes and i'm like wait a minute didn't i watch one of those movies i did uh first contact first contact i watched star trek uh first first contact and uh, I think I've watched before when I was younger, but it just didn't hold my interest.
1: Captain Ahab has to go mm-hmm. hunt his
2: whale. whale. No! <laughs> you broke your little ships. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so I watched that and I thought it was a really, really uh, introspective movie. It mm-hmm. was very well done. And uh, yeah, I can see why it's probably people, one of people's favorites, you know, Star Trek movies. It's my third favorite yeah my favorite obviously is the wrath of khan because understandable i like i like six a little better right um country but um yeah i'd be like me and drew had a really really good conversation about that on um, the way back on the way back from uh tyler Mm -hmm. and that was just really really well done really well done movie and we we got into like uh 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 nerd toxicity and how the culture is the we should have the, recorded this we should have recorded but it. We we're in the car we weren't thinking about it no be like we we, we can record that later for like a, a special episode or something like that won't
1: be as good but sure
2: yeah exactly <laughs> we, we can be more refined of what we're talking about
1: anyway yeah continuing
2: on with what i was watching exactly i i, I had to segue because i saw the ship and i was like, oh yeah, yeah i remember that fair, fair fair yeah no i also watched a little show
1: this afternoon before you came over mm-hmm. uh and before i was talking with our friend francisco of the retro rewind podcast hi roy <laughs> a little show that i forgot came out this week uh-huh. on netflix okay or i think it was this week it could have been a couple sometime in the last couple weeks okay that involves a blue hedgehog
2: Oh, Sonic, Sonic
1: Prime! Sonic Prime. Okay, yeah. I watched what I would consider to be the first arc, mm-hmm. which is actually pretty good. I mean, this is not like you know, uh top shelf amazing. But it's but it's a good Sonic yeah story. Okay. Uh, on a lot of the, this first arc, I watched he got s- sent into an alternate timeline where dr robotnik well five dr robotniks technically took over Mm. i don't know how that works i'm sure i'll find out eventually
2: eventually but
1: um it was kind of like what would all all of the Star the 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 sonic characters besides sonic himself how they would be different in this universe Mm -hmm. so you had um rouge the bat and knuckles are freedom fighters of course of course Uh, and so they're kind of in your standard rebel mm-hmm. garb. Apparently, Amy Rose uh, got captured by Robotnik and got roboticized. Oh. In fact, that at one point, Sonic says, come on, Amy, I know you're not this heartless. And she opens up her chest plate and says, the birdie says
2: otherwise. Oh, Jesus. It <laughs> it's like, like wow, bird. this is dark. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Resistance is futile. That's what it sounded like. <laughs>
1: uh and then you've got tails he's no longer called in this world he's well a lot of the characters are going by slightly different names like rouge is rebel rouge knuckles is nux
2: nux nux okay.
1: uh the roboticized version of amy rose is rusty rose okay tails is nine. 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 okay do you know the th- you know what Tails is actually why the, why the, what Tails is based on? What Japanese mythological figure he's based on? Seven-tailed fox, nine-tailed fox, nine-tailed
2: fox. Oh, obviously.
1: In this world, a where tails did not have any friends and had to f- defend himself from being picked on as a child. Mm-hmm. He gave himself doc-ock appendages. Oh, specifically seven of them. Honestly. Oh. so he's a nine-tailed fox Fox. nine like naruto Uh, oh wow okay so he's nine it's like and he but he uses them like doc Ock uses his four additional arms wow so i'm like well except when they're trying to be in a hurry and he's using them like spider legs (laughs) and i'm like wow this is dark this is a kids show uh and at the end of the episode somehow sonic gets sucked into another dimension, leaving all of his friends where they're going to get uh, hit by Dr. Robotnik's cronies. See how that turns out. Mm-hmm. But I know they're going to come back to the story because I was looking through the next couple episodes because I was curious how many episodes this was. And it's only mm-hmm. eight episodes This that's out right now. Mm-hmm. And I got through episode four and I already saw some of these characters returning in later episodes. So it's like, okay, even though we're in a separate we're obviously moving into a different arc. Mm. But yeah, it's an interesting show. Huh. Actually, uh definitely give that a shot if you okay. if you're interested in Sonic the Hedgehog stiff. It's not comedic like Sonic <clears throat> Boom
2: was. Okay.
1: It is a much more darker show. A little bit of sad AM, I would say. Okay. But definitely not quite uh. as hopeless, I guess. Okay. It's 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 got a little bit of sad am and it's got a little bit of boom. It's a mixture of those, and surprisingly, I think it works. Okay. But anyway, that's what I have been watching. So Jacob, what do you ha- do we have in the news?
0: The Cellcast News with your host Jacob Heron. <laughs>
2: Thank think you deal it? Uh so Studio Ghibli is coming out with a new film. We knew this. Yeah, we knew this. I wanted to let you guys know
1: this. I think they knew this. Probably. We're talking about the new Hayao Miyazaki film. Yeah, the new Hayao Miyazaki film because the man does not know how to retire. That is true. You can't keep a good artist down. He's been trying to retire since Kiki. That is true. Uh I think it was Kiki. Anyway, yeah. No, it was Mon- Mononoke.
2: Right. Either way, all right, so according to Dark Art Red, Red, uh, Studio Ghibli fans were treated to good news today, uh, December 13th, as Japanese animated work, the animated animation workshop revealed a hand-drawn teaser poster for the Japanese theatrical release date of How Do I Live? a tentative title for the latest Studio Ghibli uh, for, this, uh, for the studio co-owned animated legend Hayao Miyazaki um and also with the tweet which was managed which is the american branch managed by g kids and the film should be out in japanese uh theaters starting in july 14th 2023 uh the poster looks really good because there again it's a hand it's hand drawn so it looks really well done Mm -hmm. and uh other bit of news uh the news trailer for spider-man across the universe spider-verse spider-verse sorry spider-verse um I think they dropped the part 1 thing, I think. Yeah, uh they dropped it last year, I believe. Yeah.
1: It's they it's still going to be a part 1 and part 2 movie? Yeah. But they did drop the part 1 cuz they're going to give the third part a different title.
2: Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So yeah, they they dropped a new trailer, uh I think I believe I put it on our Facebook page. Uh you can go check that out on the Cellcast on Facebook. Mhm which i thought was really cool because there's just so a lot of little references in there lots of little spider-man all over the place interestingly
1: there were characters who have already been announced who did not show up in the trailer huh like a certain spider-punk that is true still have my hopes up for uh uh the japanese spider-man the emissary from hell okay (laughs) that look was funny
2: that was a great look that was a great look uh so I can't
1: the last remember bit, the guy's name I'm gonna have to look it up
2: now last bit of news uh Guillermo del Toro uh, his latest venture Pinocchio is now available on Netflix uh I have not watched it yet uh I don't think have you watched it, Drew the live action oh Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio no yeah. I haven't watched it yet okay so if you have watched it please let us know on social medias Facebook Twitter and Instagram uh, if you've watched it, what do you think of it? And uh, give us some feedback, and we can you know, be like, would you want us to review this film? Uh, it sounds fun. Uh, if it's more based off the original, be like, I think a certain uh, character is going to get, you know, eliminated pretty fast. Um, but just let us know what you think of this film. Are you saying it's more accurate to the story? Or possibly, the story? possibly.
1: Poor, poor Cricket.
2: Yeah, poor Cricket. Um. So, if you have watched it, please let us know in the social medias, the social media thingamajiggers, and let us know what you think and if you think we should review the film for the podcast. So that is all I have for the news. The Spider Man I was
1: trying to come up with the name is uh, for Japanese Spider Man is Tak Takuya Yamashiro. Oh, okay. He's the old Spider Man with the giant sent Power Rangers robot. Yeah in fact he's the reason sentai got robots in the first
2: place Ah, that's right yeah because there was a it was a partner thing with uh marvel yes well the way it was is they is they as a
1: the artist who created a common writer yeah that uh, i cannot think of his name even though i've been reviewing his stuff recently (laughs) he's shinori uh he also made another show for toei called that was a Renjo. yeah and it went for like 78 episodes, mm-hmm. and then they made a sequel series called uh J A K Q Dengazaki or Jaka. Okay, uh, and it is 24 episodes long and failed miserably. Mm. So they were pretty much convinced they couldn't do this Sentai thing anymore because together they were called the Sentai series. Yeah, and then, then they made a thing with Spider Man with Marvel Comics and they realized and they decided to give him a giant robot mm-hmm. because why not yeah <laughs> and they say hey we could do this with the sentai stuff we could bring it back with this so the next season which was supposed to be a captain america based series mm-hmm. with five captain america characters basically except yeah. captain japan was the main one mm-hmm. and uh the american one was miss america obviously the pink ranger mm-hmm that's uh battle fever j and that's the quote-unquote beginning of the super sentai series Ah, because marvel helps produce that show plus the next two which included villains from thor and incredible hulk as the main villains really well based on those based on them. okay and then marvel pretty much just sold everything for the sentai series back over to toei because they were done making stuff over there got it and now japanese spider-man is half owned by both Hmm. basically spider-man IP is owned by marvel
3: Hmm.
1: everything original created for the show is owned by toei Mm -hmm. which means there better be some negotiating going on right now marvel (laughs) i want to see leo pardon (laughs) yeah i got him in spider-verse the comic book i need him in spider-verse the movie
2: excuse me uh nerve rage over (laughs)
1: anyway yes yes.
2: that was the end of your news that was the end of the news unless Um, you got something else
1: i do not let's jump into the spoiler free section
0: of our review of the small one certified fresh and spoiler free stop me if you've heard
1: this one i originally watched this on a bootleg vhs (laughs) that my grandpa recorded off disney channel for me this was the first thing on that v h s It was immediately followed by another short we'll have to do at some point called Banjo the woodpile Cat, yeah, that's kind of done in another the same Don thing, Blue thing which is another Don Blue thing, although uh, technically, I think it was made before this, and he's not the director, he's just the animation director, which is different, yeah, but uh, and then, of course, a couple other movies were on mm-hmm. there. I don't remember which ones, yeah, but uh, I had originally seen that on that v h s I remember liking it, but it was one of those things that just lived in the back of my mind, yeah. As something I watched, not knowing it was Don Bluth, until back in twenty, the the beginning of twenty twenty, when we were scheduling Don Bluth month, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, I don't even know what all Don Bluth movies that he's done. Yeah, so I'll just go to Wikipedia and look through, and I saw the small one. Why does that's oh i remember this that was him Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay i'll have to file that away for us to do later Mm -hmm. and today is later exactly we finally got to we're finally getting to it so uh i remember liking this but i remember so very little going into this in fact i was not even sure at some point, if this was even technically connected, even directly connected to the nativity, or if it was connected to some other Bible story, until after I watched it, gotcha. I thought this I, for for a hot second. I was thinking, did is this the donkey that would get sold to Balaam that would talk to him later on? Because <laughs> I, I I just couldn't think. I was like, right. I think this is na- this is Christmas related. But really, with Disney, you never know, and especially since this is the, like the only adaptation of this is the closest adaptation to anything actually Christian, yeah, that Disney has ever done. Yeah, uh, the, your other choices are the Hunchback of Notre Dame, mm. which is not based on anything in the Bible, no, and uh, Night on Bald Mountain. Very true. <laughs> so yeah <laughs> uh i was very happy to watch this monday and realize okay this is christian i i'm looking forward to doing this review so yeah uh because i watched this this is what i watched before i watched all those episodes of ultra q <laughs> so yeah uh i enjoyed it i think anyone could enjoy this it's a nice little simple uh heartwarming story yeah, agreed. with a little bit of uh uh tension at one point. Yeah. Uh a lot sooner than I expected it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Uh
2: I enjoyed this thing. Yeah. What are your thoughts? My thoughts, this isn't the first time watching this. I'd never heard of it growing up. Um because I think it came in those that that very awkward time between the late 70s and the 80s where we it were, was a late 70s production yeah it's a late it's late 70s production uh i never heard of it until recently and i can't remember did you put it on there or i did i put it on the list you put it on the list that right. was actually one of the first things i ended up putting on the list okay yeah that's right so for christmas this was this was a treat this is a very cool very inspiring um Hopeful in a way, mm-hmm. hopeful in a way, kind of a uh, little short that has a lot of heart behind it. And it's just, it's a very wonderful, sweet little short that I would recommend everybody go watch Christian mm-hmm. or not. It's a very wonderful little piece. And, uh, it does have a lot of, it doesn't some, some bear it, 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 it pulls right into the nativity. Is it, is it? As it as right. Ending and uh yeah we'll, we'll we'll get into this movie when we get into the spoiler section but this is a sweet little film and i mm-hmm. really enjoy it it's got a lot of heart behind it, a lot of passion and uh i really wish be like because disney then would kind of spiral into the 80s and then kind of come out in the backside of the 90s mm-hmm. but uh this was a very uh, i think it's kind of like it's uh, it's it's a hidden gem yeah. that most people don't know about you can watch it on Disney Plus so if you're if you're subscribed to Disney Plus go watch it it's a great little film and it's perfect for christmas
1: even though that there is actually in the version we watched mm-hmm. a bit of unnecessary censorship i i agree with you we will get to that in the spoiler section yes of our review but for now Uh, why don't we go ahead and hear from our sponsors and we will talk about spoilers on the other side.
3: Yeah.
2: Hang on. This podcast is a proud member of culture box, whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the culture box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media.
1: This week, we suggest checking out Geek Devotions. Geek Devotions is a collaboration of devoted geeks that are devoted to letting people know that they are loved. They're not just a podcast. They are an entire network of shows, podcasts, and YouTube videos that are designed to encourage and challenge people in the geek community, bridging the gap between their faith and their geekdoms. They produce a weekly geek culture infused devotional There is their podcast, ComTalk. There's another podcast where they read books, allegedly. There's also another podcast where uh, they look through the Gundam Watch. And uh, if you're into, if you like movies just like we do, you can check out them reviewing bad movies over at the bottom shelf. So uh, you can find all their content and more uh, at uh, geekdevotions.com.
0: The Cellcast would like to thank the following patrons, Josh Adams, Ashley Ruiz, Book of Gaming, and On the show, plus uncut episodes, early access to the Cellcast Plus reviews, and special art from Jacob, please donate to us on Patreon.
1: The following is a spoiler-filled review for the movie The Small One. Well, it's really a short, but anyway, listener discretion is advised. The small one was directed by Don Bluth, Mm -hmm. and he's directed a lot of things we've actually talked about. So go check out Anastasia or Rock-A-Doodle or Land Before Time or The First American Tale, not the other ones.
3: Yeah.
1: And a couple other things. Go check out those. Yeah. Uh, it was also written by Vance Jerry and Pete Young and is based on the story by Charles Taswell or Tazewell. Not sure how to pronounce that. Getting into the cast, we've got Sean Marshall as the boy and he played Pete in Pete's Dragon. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. William Woodson, who played ta- the Tanner and he has done tons of announce of trailer announce- uh, announcer positions like. Hmm. Not, he's not the uh the one that's you know in a world he's not that guy he's, a, he's, a the he's voice one of, of the other trailer guys yeah that does a lot of that stuff a lot of the disney stuff from this era too hmm. uh olin soul played the father and in the television series super friends hmm. he was both batman and jonathan kent really yeah huh cool hal smith was the auctioneer And in DuckTales, he played Gyro Gearloose. Cool. Joe Higgins, who was the guard, played a character named Sheriff Chuck Bevins in Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. I have no idea what this is, but it's like, this is interesting. This sounds interesting. So, um, Gordon Jump played Joseph. And in the television series WKRP in Cincinnati, he played Arthur Carlson, the head of the radio station in, the, in that show. He's the one in the famous uh, Thanksgiving episode who said, as God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. Okay. Never heard of this. You need to watch this show. At least okay. that episode. Okay. I'll make you watch that eventually. Okay. Clarence Nash was the voice of Small One, and he's the original Donald Duck. Right. <laughs> the original donald duck really i double checked oh, okay nice Thurl ravenscroft voiced the potter in that in the merchant song and he was the original tony the tiger hey, hey and ken sansom who
2: played the baker played inspector jamal in the chipmunk adventure oh my gosh <laughs> Go back and listen to that episode, or watch it. Later. Yes, oh my gosh! Plenty of you have
1: downloaded that
2: episode. Yes, oh please gosh. just listen to it. Thank you, <laughs> thank you.
1: You want to make a guess how many Kingdom Hearts connections I have this week? One, close, five, no, okay, two, two, okay. First, the easy one: Ken Sansom, who was the baker,
3: mm-hmm.
1: is played Rabbit in Kingdom Hearts Two okay he's because he's actually played the voice of rabbit a lot okay like a lot it took me a while to find something he was in Mm. that wasn't rabbit (laughs) in the 80s and 90s and then uh john pomeroy who was the animation director for both the donkey and joseph okay he did 2d character art for kingdom hearts really yeah and that's my kingdom hearts connections okay and the cast list. So what do we got in info and stuff?
2: All right. Info and stuff. All right. So IMDB, it has a 7.6 out of 10. It's available on Disney Plus. You're subscribe describing Disney Plus. Uh interestingly, if you want a copy of this, it's on VHS. You can go to McCarty. Macari? I think it's Macari. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's like a um uh, like like eBay. Like yeah. EBay. You can you can the VHS them. version will be the original version. Yeah, the original version for like 10 bucks. Yeah, not bad. No unnecessary censorship. Yeah. If you want the original uncut, there you go. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, we'll get there in a minute. Um uh produced obviously by Walt Disney Productions, distributed by Bonavista Vista Distri- uh distribution. Its release date was December 16th 1978 with the re-release of Pinocchio makes um, sense yeah block. donkey in the in the in the in the in the short tons of donkeys mm-hmm. at the end oh of that movie gosh, that movie be like if you have not watched our review on watch or listen to our review uh Pinocchio uh go listen to that I think it's very well done mm-hmm. and uh yeah go get with that lesson wherever you listen to podcasts or watch it on YouTube yeah um let's see home release uh, I'm gonna skip a part where you can get into that with trivia. Uh, home release uh, on September twenty seventh, two thousand five. Disney released the small one for the first time in Region One, which that would have been that's America. That's America. Thank you.
1: On DVD, that's on, America.
2: Yeah, on DVD as part of Walt Disney's Classics Cartoon, featuring Volume Nine Classics Classic Holiday Stories. The DVD uh, also featured, um mickey's christmas carol of 1982 pluto's christmas tree from 1952 the short was edited into two pieces and are two places so i'll let you get into that later uh the short was also same featured, song
1: right huh Two yeah. places in the same song
2: yeah same song and one little if you if you don't bring it up i'll bring it up uh, okay and when you get into that because i know the point i know the song i don't know the other edit yeah there's there's a slight edit in uh towards the end Uh, The short was also featured on the DVD Walt Disney Animation uh, Collection Classic Short Films, Volume 7, Mickey's Christmas Carol, released on September 29th, 2009, also released in Region 2 on DVD, Um, uh, Walt Disney Presents Countdown to Christmas. The title, the title was also made available on streaming and download in uh, the digital format, is also available on Disney Plus, where we watched it. Right. So, getting into the story on this.
1: In the Galilean countryside near the city of Nazareth, which this doesn't actually bother to tell you that at the beginning, mm-hmm. <laughs> just fair, just let you know, a young boy and his father own four donkeys. One donkey, small one, is so old and weak he cannot adequately do the do his job of carrying the wood collected by the boy's father. The boy loads Small One with the small sticks and helps him to carry them. One evening, the boy's father says that he has to sell Small One because he cannot do enough work to cover the cost of his care. Devastated by the news, the boy volunteers to take the donkey to be sold so that he can try to find him a kind master. The father agrees and tells him that he has to sell him for one piece of silver. The next morning, the boy takes Small One to the market. At first, they are tricked into visiting the local tanner by a guard at the city gates. Terrified, they run out of the shop when they discover he only wants the donkey's hide. As they wander the streets looking for a buyer, they encounter several townspeople, shop owners, and merchants, none of whom want to buy. At last, the boy leads Small One onto the stage at a horse auction. The auctioneer has no interest in selling a scrawny donkey, which causes the boy to insist that Small One is good enough to be in a king's stable. This prompts the auctioneer and the crowd to laugh and poke fun. When the auctioneer attempts to sit on Small One, shoving the boy out of the way, Small One rouses the strength to buck and kick the auctioneer off him, sending him crashing into the stage and knocking it over. The boy and Small One run away and sit at a street corner, hopelessly weeping. At this moment, a kind man comes up to the boy and asks if Small One is for sale. He needs a gentle donkey to carry his wife to Bethlehem, insists he will take good care of him and accepts one piece of silver offers one piece of silver the boy accepts saying goodbye to small one and watches as the couple and small one leave on their journey as a bright star appears in the sky Mm -hmm. getting into the trivia for this this short was don bluth's last involvement with disney Mm -hmm. featuring a christian themed story and jewish characters the latter being a first for disney animation. This is one of the studio's few animated films to deal with religion. Uh, this was the directorial debut for Don Bluth, and it was Sean Marshall's last theatrical film. Okay. The song, the three that the three merchants sing, called the Merchant Song, mm-hmm. has had a lyric change. Mm-hmm. The lyric, "We never, never fail when we go to make a sale. We simply cheat a little if we must," was changed to we never never fail when we go to make a sale we work a little harder if we must the reason for these edits is not known but it may have to do with the merchants being arab stereotypes
2: mm. what was
1: the other edit you mentioned
2: the other edit um the star at the end was given more lines to seem less like a cross shame uh
1: and yeah that and that and it's this edited version that is on Disney plus, so that brings me to the
2: end of the trivia for this. What's your first like for this? my first like um hmm. it's such a sweet little short to be like it's so so well done. it's got mm-hmm. that it's got that Christmas of chris christmas, christmas uh, I'm saying the wrong word christmas uh, is the right word no i'm not saying christmas i'm saying crispness crispness okay crispness. christmas chris yeah i'm gonna say this word wrong i apologize crispness, crispness. is the word you're trying to Ness. say crispness oh, there again crispy <laughs> crispy yeah. no crispy sounds worse <laughs> yeah it's got the it's got the crunchy flavor of old <laughs> good night sweet nibble it's uh, i just recently f- figured out where you got the word
1: sweet niblets from and now i don't remember what it is oh I, I, I'll, I'll tell you after right? <laughs> I, I i
2: recently caught it in something i go
1: this is where he got
2: that from and now yep. i don't remember what it was oh yeah I'll, I'll, I'll tell you after broadcast uh so it's it's got that um it arcs back to like the older the older disney's but you know being something that is that I don't know if Don, or uh, not Don, Blue, Don Blue was the director of this, but Walt Disney would have done, but it has that air of, oh yeah, know, now like, I remember where you got it from, moving on, yeah, there we go, sorry, 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 yeah, yeah, thank
1: <laughs> you and your Hannah Montana, but anyway,
2: hmm, okay, pointy boy, <laughs> moving on, moving on, <laughs> Um. But, yeah, just uh this this was um this was a wonderful short, wonderful, sweet little short that I think everybody needs to go watch. It's wonderful, it's sweet. It's just like everything you want in a a nice little story. and uh, yeah, so if you are interested, please go watch Sundays Plus. It's great. What's your number one?
1: I like how this is still an original story but that it is directly connected to the nativity. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's not really a lot of times when you're dealing with Christian uh, media with a Christian theme, mm-hmm. they get stuff wrong. Now, granted, this is still fictional. Yeah. You know, this going into it. Yeah. But, um, I like that. It's it, nothing that's really said here is heretical no it's not they now. i mean they go almost out of their way to not specify things like the fact that who who, the buyer the the, the eventual buyer of small one yeah is joseph is never actually his name is never actually said it's implied Mm -hmm. that it's joseph and you see a couple shots at the very end as they're heading towards uh bethlehem which admittedly the star wouldn't be there yet because Jesus isn't born yet. (sighs) Yeah, well, I I thought he had mentioned his name, but his name was Joseph. I don't think he did. Certainly didn't mention Mary. Yeah. Uh, And at no point does it ever say they're in Nazareth. He does say they're going to Bethlehem, but that's it. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of implication. Yeah, Of what this story is connected to. Right. But it's never, like, thrown in your face. It's just, like, you wouldn't even know Christian, it was a Christian thing, really, yeah. for the most part, except for there's a couple lines in the opening themes, the opening song, mm-hmm. where it says, uh, uh, God made it that way, about yeah. how there's always a place for the small one. Yeah. So it's like, that. that's just very interesting to me. Yeah. That's like, they... They walked a very tight rope Mm -hmm. where, obviously, Disney being what it is, Mm -hmm. especially at this era where it was not quite, uh, I mean, we were, is this coming, this is like right at the Jesus movement,
2: I think? Uh, The Jesus movement would have been oh my gosh that was around that time yeah it been the late 70s yeah
1: which is when this would have come out so maybe that's part of the reason why they felt they could do it without really yeah breaking any without alienating anybody i guess yeah. from their point of view granted i'm christian i'm loving this that is a yeah. christian story exactly. that disney put out yeah and it's actually very respectful of christianity yeah granted we talked about the edit there at the end where they did their best to make the star look less like a cross but then i've never heard of anyone making the star look like a cross no most of the time i I see what people would say if they said it was but first time it's just like yeah super bright star in the sky that doesn't actually illuminate like the sun does right that's kind of what it's supposed to be right but um but there's no angels no throughout the whole thing almost there's almost nothing supernatural no about it which is no it i I like how it works that way it's it's like we're telling a nice story Mm -hmm. you're if you're not christian especially if you're jewish Mm -hmm. uh we're not going to alienate you over here Mm -hmm. we're not going to alienate anyone who's not a christian other than we're telling a story that does technically lead into Mm -hmm. christmas Uh so and yeah I I like that it's just it's a Christmas story without being, like, overtly in your face. Okay, let me explain it in a better way. So much of our modern, quote-unquote, Christian media Mm -hmm. is so worried about preaching Mm
2: -hmm.
3: to
1: you that they leave the story behind, and the story doesn't get a lot
2: of development. I agree with you in a way. And
1: I like how this is a little bit Mm story-focused, and the message is subtle. not subtle enough you don't get it unless you really don't know the nativity story that it's obviously leading into but it's like subtle about how all this goes and it's actually you see uh pieces of this like in the bible like yeah like david for instance king david yeah he's not the biggest strongest brother no but he's the one who ended up being the greatest king of israel true and when samuel came to anoint him samuel had to go through all the other ones before they found out mm. the, the little shepherd boy out there yeah he found the small one this the small one yeah and there's a couple other instances like that where the one that we would pick the obvious person yeah. for these roles like um you no know, there's a lot of them it's like that's not what god goes with he goes with the ones you wouldn't think of because he doesn't call the ones who are already equipped he likes to equip those he calls yeah you you can look at that and then and- in- some ways that's kind of what this is is that the small one as as the character the Mm -hmm. donkey the small one yeah he wasn't the biggest strongest donkey we saw in this no he wasn't but he was the one that was chosen exactly now granted after our cantata last week and that one thing about you know retuning the nativity that clip Mm -hmm. i'm thinking shouldn't he be carrying a cart pulling a cart for mary to sit in true but that's beside the point yes yes anyway uh so yeah uh, I enjoy that this is got it's it's a subtle message with a good story. Okay, I got. You. What's your second
2: like? My second like of this, I'm gonna go right into kind of play off yours. Uh, it's the nativity without being the nativity. Mm-hmm. It it does play into it does tell a very good story. Um, kind of like you were talking about a minute ago with how more modern Christian movies. Um, well, you can you can take it both ways. You can take where it's a story it's a a like god's not dead you can take a movie like that i've never seen it but i've heard it a thousand times where i know someone who will let you borrow all three yeah exactly um
1: but i think they're working on a fourth they are working
2: on a fourth that's what scares me yeah yeah but where it's it's be like we're gonna push the gospel in your face and tell kind of a very very weak story Mm -hmm. and where and then I could turn around and give you an, another really good example of uh, I am not ashamed, which is a it's a kind of like it's a pseudo bio, biography of uh, one of the first victims of the Columbine shooting. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was a, a very God fearing woman, God fearing young lady. And uh, it's like it's very subtle. I mean, like, yeah, obviously she's Christian and it's not pushing you in your face. We got to get the gospel right in front of you. And uh, it's done very well, and I think it's a very well executed story. And it do- it doesn't really go in and share the gospel, but it shows you what the gospel is. Mm-hmm. And I think with the small one, it does that very well. Of um, uh, the small one being chosen because he is not the he's not the biggest, he's not the strongest, and that's what Christ calls us. We, we're not supposed to be the 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 big mighty heroes. Me like he calls the weak, he calls the uh, the meek, he calls the uh, mm-hmm. The the small ones, the small ones. There we go, good one. And um, yeah, that's that's what I and that's what I enjoy partially about this film, because it does give a good Christian allegory to what Christ calls us to be.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, and at the same time, it does bear good storytelling. And yeah, so I I really 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 enjoy this movie. Uh, definitely for that it's the nativity, but it's not the nativity kind of. And at the end it's where Joseph pops up and be like, Oh, he's the one who yeah. the donkey. And it's like, Oh, okay. So there again, if you're, if you're not familiar with the, the, uh, the nativity scene, or if you're Christian or not Jewish, and I mean, I'm pretty sure most people have probably heard of the nativity. Possibly. I'd like to thank people at least have seen it. Yeah. They've seen the, seen, seen the image of it. Yeah. Seen it, but not understanding the fully full yeah. context was going on. But um, but it's it's done very well, and at the end you get to see the uh, the 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 birth of Jesus in a way. You get to see the the the, uh, the the star. Yeah, and so um, they could not have made it to Bethlehem that fast. No, they couldn't have. But um, and there again, I think that was when he was like three. I think Jesus. no 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 no, no. i think it's when no no. anyways that's for another day i'm confused what you it's when the wise men get there that he's like three or four that's right it's three or four that's right When the star because that's right because there again i'm getting all these because yeah yeah let's 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 redo the nativity kind of video from the cantata Mm -hmm. yeah that was very well done but um but yeah this was a this was very well done so that's that's my second like it's the nativity but not the nativity what's your third like my second like second like my apologies i had to think it's like i didn't already give my second no, <laughs> no I my didn't. my
1: second like um i i kind of, i liked the the merchant song even with the edits yeah because i think the edits are silly for the most part but then i'm because i mean it, the reason those edits are in there and i'll get more to this later
3: yeah
1: is because they're spooked that you know showing arab merchants as being dishonest might might be considered Mm. they think it might be considered you know stereotyping and yeah all that stuff and i'm thinking sure whatever we'll get but i'll get more into that later yeah the song itself actually is very interesting i mean because it's split basically into uh two different sections yeah or three different sections you've got um the boy singing small one small one mm-hmm. small one for sale mm-hmm. you know that part and then he's got him you know the boy attempting to make a sale to you know someone who could use them and they tell him every reason why that's not a good that they they're not going to buy a small one yeah i liked how the baker's wife is huge so they need a horse i thought that was funny that was funny um and then the third one is random almost randomly because it almost these two parts are feel like they're separate Mm -hmm. these two sections yeah um between the stuff dealing with the boy and small one and then the other three arab merchants Mm -hmm. who are singing essentially the chorus of this song yeah uh talking about you know we're gonna make money we're gonna be We may have to be dishonest if we're going to do that yeah or work a little harder (laughs) whichever version you're going with um it's very catchy yeah it's a very very catchy song even if it's like feels like they put three songs together in order to make it happen yeah like a wing like a paul mccartney with wings song you know wings yes i know wings you know how all their songs are like three songs crammed into one didn't know that think about it Hmm. live and let die Okay. Probably their most famous, yes, because it was in the beginning of the movie. It's, well, that one's probably more two, but a lot of them are three, mm. where it's got this slow part and then boom, 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 yeah. boom, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. It's it's kind of got that kind of feel to it, except there's three different versions, three, three. There's three parts instead of two. Okay, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. three songs crammed into one song. I what I'm but it's still an
2: interesting song. So, cool what's your third like my third like uh would be the tanner scene of what when, when uh, yeah. the, the 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 boy gets uh i like how subtle that is too yeah it's very subtle you don't even realize where he is until he realizes where he is yeah the the point where like the boy comes into the city and he's met by a roman centurion a guard he's like oh yeah go here and he's chuckling like oh no what's gonna happen here mm-hmm. and uh I'd be like it's actually kind of a terror i would be like if like contextually it's a terrifying little scene where be like the boy comes in there and then he starts that stark revelation. It's like, Oh crap, this is what's going on. Yeah. And uh, it's like, no, I, Bill, I don't want to, I don't want the donkey. I just want his hide. And the boy and the donkey go scrambling out of there. Mm-hmm. And that animation is beautiful. It's, it's again, yeah. that, that sense of terror and dread, like all of it's So well done animation wise in the store, in the, the little beat there. And it's like, the entire time, the like the the boy is trying to sell, you know, small the small one, and it's just like getting rejected over and over and over again. But that one scene where they're running and they they're running from the Tanner spot, and it's just so well done, like animation wise, mm-hmm. and that that those little beats here and there for how to how they created the tension, and it's just so well done. So yeah, that's my third. I'm gonna jump on that with
1: my third one. Okay, and uh, it's because like like I said, you don't even realize where you are. Yeah. when you enter that thing, because I mean, you come in for one thing, this is like in this 30 minute short, this is like the 10 minute mark. Yeah. You're nowhere near the climax of the story, at least you wouldn't think you would be. And we come into town, the 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 guard tells them, you know, if you really want to sell the donkey, you can go over here. My friend will buy it off of you. He's mm-hmm. always looking for fine animals like this one. Uh huh. Or for animals like this one, he says. And you go in there and it's like, it's calm. It's like, this is an odd place but mm-hmm. you know. And without any context of what the guy does there, it doesn't really look like anything other than a big empty room. Uh huh. That's got obviously some kind of chemical thing going in it, but mm. you really can't tell what it is. It could yeah. be anything. Yeah. Who knows what but this guy's got that, doing? That
2: ambiance got
1: that ambiance. It's a little creepy, but it's not like too uncreepy. Yeah. And you know, he goes in there. He talks to the Tanner. They go back and forth on this, and then he real the. The guy says, oh, I'm only, in when, when Small One says, are you going to take good care of him? Uh-huh. And the terrorist says, oh, I only want him for his hide, boy.
2: Yeah, you of. <laughs> and, re- and they all of a
1: sudden, uh, I'm, a, I'm a tenor. And they suddenly realize where they are. Uh-huh. And it's like, congratulations, your first step into town was into hell. <laughs> or hell for this donkey. <laughs> this is not where you need to be. Yeah, boy, there's a reflection for most of the, most of Christian life. You walk into place you know you're not supposed to be in. That's yeah. not where God told you to go.
3: Yeah.
2: You're listening to the world. That's why you end up in the Tanners. Yeah, that is a good that is a good analogy with the yeah. fact that like like when when you fall into like I'm gonna say like the boy in the It those, was those... that would have been the easy sell. Yeah. He would have been done and could
1: have been walking back home if he sold the small one to that guy.
2: Yeah. Very easily. But no, be like he had so much too much love and compassion for this donkey like he didn't want to he wanted the the donkey he wanted the small small one to go to a loving Mm
3: -hmm. master
1: and then he goes and continues looking for that master throughout the film but that one minute where you're in there it's like because it it doesn't even look like anything to us yeah mostly because we're thousand years later and we a lot of us don't have any content a context for what a tanner's place Mm -hmm. would look like yeah so it's like this is just a weird little place mm-hmm. and all of a sudden i'm a tenor boy and he goes, oh that's why all there's all these the, all these things we've seen right here are skins uh-huh. this is not just some rich guy's place this is the guy who makes the skins for the rich man yeah <gasps> okay get out of there boy get out of there yeah <laughs> oh my gosh yeah so yeah and you can't tell me that they didn't reuse some of the donkey animation from pinocchio no no (laughs) small one especially in that scene because i saw uh what's the kid that was in there with pinocchio
2: the the i'm gonna call him jack but it's probably not whatever
1: his name is that yeah he and he gets that terror look in his eye yeah. in donkey form that's the same look small one. Had. Oh yeah yeah yeah. they, they
2: definitely reuse that animation. they
1: reuse that animation it's like oh okay
2: yeah yeah that's the way animation i'd reuse exactly definitely during that time period
1: it's so, not it's not often you have ready-made animation no. <laughs> for uh, for that type of sequence exactly to base yours off of exactly when, it's, you, it's, when disney had almost no money to animate anything
2: true true so uh, i wanted to jump off uh your your last one when it was the uh the the song and the uh yeah the uh clink 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 the, the, the money in the bank yeah the money in the bank th- song uh because people say like oh it's oh, it's air stereotypes well <laughs> i, I want to use like go with the because uh there again, no offense to anybody this is not an offensive thing i'm gonna say and um uh, because they're going it's going with the the stereotype which is wrong uh of like Jew, uh the the jewish businessman always out for money or something like that mm-hmm. so the one watching that scene i thinking like it's like no they're 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 in a, a jewish city so they're probably jewish so and they're they're using yeah. that stereotype that jews are very big about money and uh that's my that, that was my thought that was my thought on that scene. And, and if you're and if you're watching the one on disney plus and you don't know that they changed that lyric.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds he, like oh, they're just businessmen. Yeah, they're just, they're businessmen. just businessmen. They're not evil. No, no, they're meant. They, you need to make sure you know these guys are not the people he needs to sell it to either. Exactly, and that the auctioneer that they're sending him to uh-huh. not going to be helpful either. No, although interesting point. The donkey belongs in a king's stable.
2: Yes, yes, I love that part. That is such. Such subtle oh. foreshadowing. Yes. Of how this is going to end. Yes. Yeah, so I'm 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 watching when he says, "Be like, oh, fit for a king, stable." Ha 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 ha. I was like, oh, like, oh yeah. They're talking about another king. Different king. Different, king, different
1: king, different king, different king. Not this isn't Herod. No, not that they mention Herod in this. No, they don't. It's not Herod's stable. No, 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 no you people are going to regret laughing at this yeah at the king's
2: steed (laughs) anyway i i I can i can just i can just see i can just see now granted this is not biblical this is not theology whatsoever yeah i i I can almost see this little gag of where jesus walks up being like he's in his 30s and he he runs in this guy he's laughing be like it's like it's like oh do you do you want a fine steed or a donkey it's like no you made fun of my my you made fun of my donkey when I was a uh, uh, when I was not I, even born yet. When I was before before, before I, was I was born. born. So uh, yeah, and probably the the merchant. The, no, nah, the, Jesus wouldn't do that. No, he probably wouldn't.
1: Wait, probably wait till
2: Judgment Day. Yeah, wait till Judgment Day. It's like you picked on my donkey. It's like wait, you, what?
1: You were unkind to an animal I had chosen.
2: Yeah, I had chosen.
1: <laughs> no, you're just unkind to the boy who was just trying to get enough to take care of one of his possessions and treat treat it with respect. That's, That's really true. what's more what it is. That is true. Against.
2: That is so true.
1: But anyway. Yeah,
2: anyways. What is yours? Third? I already gave
1: my third. Did you? I jumped off yours for my third. Okay, then. Because it was the Tanner scene. Yeah. And then I also brought up, kind of as a bonus thing, the... Subtle foreshadowing of the donkey belonging in a king's stable. So we, very true. We got
2: dislikes to do, my friends. Dislikes. Okay. What's your first dislike? My first dislike. Come on, Pad. Work with me here. All right. So
1: she says your iPad is a very is also a small one, and you should treat it with respect. <laughs> Too
2: true. Touche. Touche, D-Led. Touche.
1: Uh, yeah. I'm not touching that with a ten-foot pole.
2: Oh gosh, (laughs) we don't need another
1: uh, data uh, discussion going on here about whether or not it's a sentient being.
2: That is true. So true.
1: I didn't say you weren't sentient, (laughs) Dilat. Yeah, don't get her mad. Come on, dude. Moving on before we get into trouble here. What is your first
2: dislike? Moving right along. doo doom, doom, (laughs) doom all right uh i would say uh, granted this is more of a nitpick with the the slight edits they did this short uh, granted i can understand why they did it but i, I don't completely i don't completely understand <laughs> be like, i mean, like i understand where you're trying not to be like you know you're trying to be sensitive i yeah. get it um but editing i would be like the the way they do the star and they put more lines into it to make it not so obvious it's a it's a it's a cross but obviously, you could tell it looks more like a cross. But it still looks like the Star of Bethlehem. Exactly. About
1: what six months? Three? At least two or three months early. Yeah. Because I don't know how long it takes to get across uh, the the uh, from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and that uh, before the sent for the census. But uh, yeah. I suspect that star is a little early because it probably shouldn't show up until they're in bethlehem True, sure. and even then that star was not for the shepherds no that star was for the wise men true and they don't show up for three more years <laughs> so yeah disney here's just a better idea come up with a better visual image than the star of bethlehem that's not even supposed to be there in the first place pedantic i am
2: moving on theological nerd <laughs> i just know things yes <laughs> I just I, I, know things. I I I, I, I I I can't say I'm not the same way because I do the exact same thing all the time. <laughs> it's like, well, no, theologically, that's the way it goes, but okay.
1: <laughs> and and that's not one of those things that a lot of theologians will fight you over either.
2: No, no,
1: no. <laughs> We're no. not talking about election versus predestination versus... Uh, Free will, or year,
2: second year, third right. tier, third tier.
1: Right, this is not. In, this is not the second tier things. This is all. This is all the, This is like we all know how the story goes because the Bible spells it out. And guess what? The star
2: of Bethlehem is not show up this early. <laughs> yeah. But to well, like, I think it's more like the what's built up around it, where people just be like, they automatically bring you know what brings to mind is star of Bethlehem when it comes to the birth of Jesus.
1: Which I just realized. We call it the Star of Bethlehem.
2: A Star of Bethlehem is never in Bethlehem. It's over Nazareth.
1: (laughs) No wait, no, it is over Bethlehem. I'm sorry, because they don't go back to Nazareth till after the trip to Egypt. Again. Sorry. I got everything backwards moving on. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So just that that one little that one little edit be like there again. I'm not gonna, you know, try to, you know, Pouncing them for not, you know, doing something theologically correct. But, Gary, that's a third tier thing if you don't know what third tier, anyway. First year, second year, third tier, whatever. It's not, that, it's not it's not, it's nothing really. No one's going to fight you over this. No, 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 no. There'll be people
1: who very nicely will correct you. Mm hmm. But no one's going to kill you
2: over it. Yeah.
1: Unless they're cage stage Calvinists. But moving on.
2: Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, moving right along. Doom, um, <laughs> Anyways, I hope you guys are getting that joke. <laughs> been a while since we did muppet movie <laughs> we have it has been a while yeah, anyway but um yeah that is, that's i think it's my only dislike is this movie is that one little edit it's like really but understand be like you don't want to make yeah. like a star you know like, still it's star bethlehem mine is similar but it's not with the star because
1: i didn't notice it granted okay and granted i didn't actually notice the issue when i first saw it and that is the edits in the merchant song, okay? Because here's the thing their thing about work a little harder if we must just makes them seem like uh regular people, yeah? They're a little they, they want gold like most people, but it doesn't even come across as sarcastic, yeah, which really would have fit it better, I think, if you're going to use that that lyric, yeah. So the fact that they make that edit, I th- it really does feel unnecessary. And I think it active actually hurts the context, yeah of that section of the of the short because um like I said, if you're if with the lyric we cheat a little if we must, yeah, like we're gonna we we're we're going to work hard to get our money, but if we have to, we're gonna cheat a little to get it, yeah, well, that just shows these people don't have as many scruples mm. Mm-hmm and what is their goal what is how does that scene end they're telling the boy to go talk to this horse auctioneer Mm -hmm. now granted the song is not uh diegetic it's not it's fair for us it's not for the the characters aren't really seeing the song you know yeah because it's like a musical type song it's the fact that you have characters who are literally singing, We're evil mm-hmm. in a way, or we're being uh, unscrupulous, is, that's not going to, obviously, the boy is not going to catch on to that in the context yeah. of the song, especially since he's not there for half the times when they say we cheat a little if we must. Mm-hmm. But um, it's there to tell us that, yeah, we're the auctioneer this boy's going to sell to. He's not going to be very kind. And he's going to provide more trouble for them than it's going to be worth for him yeah. to go over there. It's, hurts the fact that you don't realize that by by making that change it actually it doesn't give you the idea it doesn't foreshadow that this is going to go down bad and it all it kind of hurts the theme yeah of this piece because it's like and the theme is very christian yeah i might add agree. agree it is uh the the way the world says to do things is not the right way to do it yeah this boy is trying to is wanting to do the right thing by his beloved donkey Mm -hmm. and make sure that if he has to be sold that he is sold to the right person yeah the tanner is just going to kill the boy kill him yeah if he'd have sold the the uh the donkey to the tanner that would have been the easiest thing the boy could have done Mm -hmm. uh and probably it would have uh hey manik might have hurt him pretty bad i mean he could have been done and gone back home and it would it would have uh he had already been done with his work at lunch yeah he wouldn't be waiting to like the middle nearly the middle of the night yeah uh if he had gotten lucky with uh any of the other ones it would have been the same thing like he'd be he'd sold and he'd be gone instead he got this one last day with Mm -hmm. small one yeah and the right person to buy the donkey didn't come by till the the twilight hours yeah it came when it was the right time for the right person to to purchase the donkey so that mary and essentially mary and joseph yes will be able to get to bethlehem without you know causing an issue for the pregnancy yes it was the right thing at the right time
2: yeah very true
1: and so for this short bit this little boy is the hero of his story and so i mean like it's just where was i going with that um it's a nice christian because because they have this nice christian theme in there yeah the you actually do still have to show the world being quote-unquote not doing what you not doing the right thing for you because they don't care about you yeah they care about themselves and these three Merchants are very much the opinion of we only care about ourselves and yeah, we're gonna give you this advice, but it's not gonna help you. We're kind of just giving you this advice because we find it funny that you're gonna try and sell this donkey mm-hmm. through a horse auctioneer. That'll work. Yeah. And the boy doesn't recognize they're being they're not being serious, that they're being, you know, mean about it. Yeah. And so n- having them be then, oh, we just work a little harder if we can't do it at the normal rate. It's like that doesn't he that destroys the motivation for you telling them to go to the horse auctioneer because that sounds like you're stupid
2: yeah agreed
1: but yeah that's my dislike is the changing of that lyric actually hurts the scene and hurts the theme for the entire um uh, production i got you and i am
2: like you i don't really have any other dislikes well i mean i, I found one just i was looking through images mm-hmm. on google and uh i started realizing a pattern <laughs> Like you say, going back to uh, when there are the Tanners. and Yeah, there is a lot of reused animation. There's a lot of reused animation. In fact,
1: uh, IMDb actually listed two other
2: directors Uh for
1: this, for the original cartoons that they took the animation from. Really? Yeah, let me bring that up right quick. Okay. Uh, Jack Cutting and Wolfgang Reitherman, which Wolfgang Reitherman, I believe that would be some of the newer stuff. The animation may be taken from... uh, I don't know, uh, Jungle Book maybe? Yeah, Jungle Book. Because mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of Jungle Book in here. Yeah. And I bet you anything Jack Cutting is Pinocchio. Almost bet it is. No, I don't think so, actually. Now that I'm looking at it. No, he did a lot of the old cartoons, but so. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So maybe they, there's some other animation from something this in here that also made a lot of use, but.
2: Yeah yeah i was just i was looking i was looking through google and i was like wait a minute the boy looks a whole lot like mowgli mm-hmm. like, yeah like except be like you know he's wearing a shirt and he's got a little headband and that's about it and i'm like every but like just looking like remembering going through the film going through the short i was like that's a lot i like i be like this is like deja vu lo- watching the jungle book yeah and well and uh robin hood
1: yeah robin hood robin a lot because i mean that's and little john is basically blue but with brown
2: hair instead of dark hair that is true that is true so you know the little boy definitely is modeled after mowgli and there's a lot of animation scenes where it's very very much they pulled from Mm -hmm. that those uh animations and
1: but when you're making something on the cheap that is true and this like, is one of don bluth's
2: earliest films
1: i mean he had some uh practice before this with actually doing animation stuff but i mean this was one of the projects they made to give new people time to work on it true to learn
2: how to animate yeah from what i read yeah and also that was again that was the period when they were doing that mm-hmm. and uh that was one of the reasons don blue left right one of the reasons but yeah i just i noticed that and it was like you know what like that's that's a good point to bring up but yeah that's my that's my second and final dislike well then why don't we go ahead and jump into our ratings for this yeah
1: i'm giving it an eight you're giving it an eight it's a fun little short um i can't believe it's 30 minutes long and i got shown in front of a theater and no one complained like when the frozen short played in front of uh uh coco yeah well, but that was, was a different time it was
2: a different time period yeah
1: right uh this this is a fun little short it's a it has a great Christ, christmas message and it, in a way it it doesn't really come right out and tell the gospel but yeah it's got a very nice message about you know the small uh almost kind of a a, a christian uh a, a gospel message but not quite yeah it's I've a watched. fun little it's a it's just a fun little story and a yeah. good story to watch before christmas
2: yeah completely agree. completely agree uh i'm gonna give it um hmm heck i'll I'll do it anyway i'll give it a nine point uh a nine because i just really enjoy it Mm -hmm. It, yeah it's it's got its little little quirks here and there but those are nitpicks beyond belief but they're it's a good story it's well done it has that you know um that a that age to it where it looks like it should be further back in time yeah but like back when Walt Disney did things because it has the animation quality to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, it does reuse animation though. There
1: is some Dom Bluth isms in the animation. There
2: is, there is, there's,
1: there's obviously a lot of Disney cut with, especially with the reuse, but there's a lot of Dom Bluth isms in there too. Yeah,
2: There are, there are. So they'll there again, be like, it's, it's a very well done animation. It's got a lot of heart. It's got a lot of, uh, Christian allegories in it, Mm -hmm. which is very well done. Um, I guarantee you, probably if you got a bunch of theologians together, you'd probably be like, just oh,
1: they'll let's, rip let's, this thing apart,
2: top to bottom. Apart. Yeah, top to bottom. Oh my gosh, they got the time, date, you know, clothing's wrong, blah 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 blah. But nuance—we're not here for that.
1: Now we're just talking at the artwork itself, and I think it's a decent allegory and a good message.
2: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, go watch it. It's a great film, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, you might learn something.
1: Maybe, maybe. So next week. Or the next episode, I should mm. say, because we are taking Christmas off. Mm. Uh, we are coming back with one more Christmas movie. Mm. A classic Christmas movie yes. about a boy who wants to be a dentist. Mm. And perhaps a reindeer with a red nose. Yeah. Rudolph the Red-Nosed red reindeer. reindeer is our next movie. Pretty I can't bad. tell you I've watched it before. Wow. I've watched bits and pieces, and I have seen the sequel to this, uh, Rudolph's Shiny New Year really Which, ironically would probably be a better thing to watch right before new year but <gasps> oh well
3: we'll do this well, one,
1: maybe, and maybe shiny new year next year who knows, knows. so will. uh we'll be doing that next year but for now we've got another story of redemption yeah to talk about along with, with we're doing star trek lower deck so let's just jump into that yeah.
0: space
3: Okay.
1: Our first episode of the evening for Star Trek Lower Decks is a mathematically perfect redemption. <laughs> Directed by Jason Zirk and written by Ann Kim. In this episode, a wayward Starfleet ensign struggles to find a path to redemption. I love that reaction.
2: <laughs> I hate this little robot.
1: Guest cast includes your favorite little robot,
2: Cather Donahue as Pina Hamper. Pina Hamper needs to go into a trash compactor.
1: Paul Shear as Andy Billups. Harry Schonger as rauda James C. as Kaltoris. Lauren Tom as Aori, Ariari F- Female One. J.G. Hertzler as the Drukmani Captain. Uh, Fred Tatasior, who normally also plays Shax, also plays the Drukmani landing party leader. And we get one last little cameo by Jeffrey Combs as Agimas. Oh, okay. The evil robot that was in that oh, one episode last that, season.
2: That's right. And he shows
1: back up in here. Yeah. <laughs> you even see the little CBS logo robot next to him.
2: Yeah. Oh, my
1: <laughs> gosh. Yeah. Getting into the trivia for this one this is the second episode i'm thinking of the peanut hamper arc because i have no idea of this how often she's gonna come up now oh. i thought she, we were done with her at the end of no small parts yes. and she came back and had a whole episode it's like this is it's gonna be more of this i know uh-huh. there is uh the standard lower decks title sequence is not used in this episode uh-huh. instead the series logo and opening credits are shown over shots of wreckage in the Kala system against a slower version of the main theme this episode prominently features the return of the exocomp Ensign Pina Tamper it is revealed that after the events of no small parts she remained stranded in the debris field of the pack led clump ship that attacked the USS Cerritos and proceeded to create a ship from the debris to leave hmm. interesting note in that opening sequence you can see rutherford's original implant in the record i
2: saw that <laughs> and, I it, like, and it looks active it does look like active. it could active so interesting like that couldn't play at the end of the play i'm not episode. telling you a word oh i know Actually, I, 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 I i will say i, I can pick up context I, very i well. will say
1: there it's not in the actual major part of the story of the oh. of, of of the last episode of the season gotcha but apparently there is an after-credits scene that I originally missed. Ah. That's all I'm saying. Ah. This episode also marks the return of the Drukmani captain who originally appeared in Terminal Provocations. And marks the ad, additionally marks the return of Agimus, who is still imprisoned at the Daystrom Institute. He also echoes Peanut Hamper's earlier conclusions that her name is mathematically perfect. Peanut Hamper describes the Ariare as the poor man's Aurelians, referring to another avian race first introduced in the animated series episode Yesteryear and seen again in season two episode An Embarrassment of Duplers. Peanut Hamper's reference to Aurelians being the first canon use of their name in franchise history, 49 years after their first appearance. And that's all of the trivia I have for this episode. Mm so how much do you hate peanut hamper oh my gosh it's- i wanted to kill her at the end of this
2: exactly oh my gosh because
1: for because one thing this episode does good mm-hmm. does really good is up until the Drukmani steal the other ship yeah i was on her side yeah i thought good you learned your lesson i would be happy if you continue this way i will i would like you peanut hamper you could be a good character uh-huh. That was. So i good. don't really like half of what you did on this planet and good night this was a prime directive episode and i i barely going to talk about prime directive but then you screwed the pooch and i mm-hmm. don't mean Rowda. <laughs> oh no i oh
2: don't want god. to know how that works no, no no let's not let go there oh my god oh that's, but me that's uh, cringe oh my gosh
1: this is a weird episode in general i agree but i think it's done actually very well for what they're doing yeah they give you a decent a good story featuring this little exocomp Mm. because that is the alien race yeah uh that she technically is and there's a lot of interesting things they do with it especially like everything they all we all okay so i did say this is a prime directive episode
2: yes do you know what the prime directive is yeah you it's uh you can't interfere with a civilization that is not discovered or developed warp one okay i think it's something you're very
1: close prime directive is a little nuanced but i'll get into it the directive specifically states that a star a member of starfleet yeah specifically yeah is not to interfere in pre-warp cultures, and yeah. this, there's a similar thing with the Federation, but it's the version we always hear is the Starfleet one.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, basically, up until their warp, they get reach warp one. The idea is you want to have as little cultural contamination yes. in their uh, culture as possible. Yeah. That becomes harder, of course, after they have warp capabilities, right? Because now they're able to interact of their own free will mm-hmm. with other warp capable cultures they're essentially joining the the galactic culture at that point while still trying to maintain their own yeah and then you get political problems which is the other half of that Mm -hmm. or technically if they're not members of the federation you can't tell them what to do yeah which kind of goes without saying i think but that's beside the point yeah you you can't dictate (laughs) what people will do
2: just right but yeah so it's it's
1: part of the rule on the books it's like if they're not federation you can't really keep them from doing stuff even if you disagree with what they're doing yeah so by all technical accounts, Peanut Hamper, even though she wasn't breaking the Prime Directive at all in this episode, she mm. didn't know that for a long
2: time. Yeah, agreed. And
1: even then, kind of was still breaking the Prime Directive, the second yeah. clause that no one talks about. Right. So yeah, and, and I usually hate Prime Directive because this is the the Prime Directive is what gets you, like. Wesley Crusher is going to get killed because he accidentally tripped and stepped on a flower yes. in one episode mm-hmm. or uh, a couple other problem episodes I have. With it. It's essentially easy. It's writing fodder. It's an easy thing in Star Trek. Yeah, I agree. They can do to give you easy tension on a, on a thing. Because they've used the prime directive so much, it's like you hear the words "prime directive" and you either are already sighing and wondering how long is this episode going to be. Mm-hmm. And I still give them props the the lower decks writers props that we went two and a half seasons before I, they had mentioned they had an episode that actually dealt with the prime directive. Yeah, and it dealt with this little robot that they did a good job, I think, of for like fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. Making you feel sorry for her and are rooting for her redemption and even hiding what she was doing behind the scenes. Yeah, I agree. So the Drew Kamani says, You know, she brought us here. It's like, No, she did. There's no way she did that. We saw her save. as says, We recorded it. <laughs> and they show the recorders, like, Peanut Hamper, you are going to die. <laughs> if not by their hands, I will find a way. <laughs> i cared for you they literally made us hate this character far more than we did at the end of no small parts i agree with you i, agree and I with think you that
2: was their intention but you know continuing the the point where this little robot what's your name again peanut hamper peanut hamper she is an exocomp weird, weird name for a character peanut hamper but it's mathematically perfect according to her apparently but it's this annoying little robot who decided she's gonna bell and you know Uh, go rogue on her on her crewmates gets yourself lost in space and just Mm -hmm. she shows up on this planet shows on this planet is telling how primitive they are is breaking the prime directive Mm -hmm. the entire time and um and just being the snot nose will be like oh i'm better than you i'm better than you and they they the, the only the only the only reason she starts turning around is she starts falling in love with the prince which honestly
1: i've seen worse i've seen worse stories yeah that that would have still been acceptable even though cliched yeah that this man turned her around i could still have accepted yeah this. i agree and so even I I'm, when I was first watching this, I'm thinking, okay, this is cool. And then I realized there's still five minutes of this story left. Yeah. Where on earth could they go? Because they obviously wrapped up what I thought was all the plot lines. Oh, look, the Drukmani has stolen one of their ships. Yeah. Oh, Peanut Hamper's a liar. Yeah. Peanut Hamper. Your name is not mathematically perfect.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I do I do like it. Where be like Peanut Hamper? Be like you you do see that redemption quality in the character. And when like the village is being attacked, and the prince is giving the be like he's always saying be like we need to uh, be better, we need to mm-hmm. be better, we need to because Peter Hampers kind of showed him that, and uh, that showed that some of those things still get just cringe beyond belief. I'm like, oh my yes. gosh, he went there, but uh, but nuance. So when the when his father's when his father, I think his father is injured. Or something like that. Yeah, and he's going
1: to die. He says no one's ever survived a sky snake battle attack. And she goes, "Boop, anti venom. You're going to be fine. I also gave you a bunch of nutrients because you're, you were, you were, you were super super low on on vitamins.
2: Yeah, that it's was like, good. That was a good scene. Like, but oh, okay, the scene I'm referring to I'm still is when. The Prime directive, huh? <laughs> still, <laughs> yeah, still the Prime directive. The Prime directive I agree with you. The scene I'm referring to is when the prince takes like the larger ship. Because it's like, oh yeah, we've known this stuff for years. We yeah. just, you know, forgot about it. We didn't talk about it. And but it's like, how are you piloting the ship? How are the Drukmani piloting that ship? Yeah, that's a weird control surface. Yeah, because even like someone on the the uh cerrito said to be like, it's like, yeah, it's got far, far more powerful weapons than we've seen before. I'm like, yeah. and how do you guys know how to fly this thing? But I yeah, lo- but I love it when the Prince gets in there and he goes and i'm going to save my people i'm going to save my world from these pirates mm-hmm. and i enjoy that scene and it's just like oh peanut hamper you just shot yourself in the foot <laughs> yeah uh, and, and the prince still takes the directive and she, to, and
1: then peanut hamper at the end still tries to say oh now i've learned my lessons like you just lost all free all, all uh uh all the brownie all, points you built up all the brownie points you just built up all the all, all the goodwill you built up in the last couple minutes you just burned through all of it uh-huh you that is
2: why you're going to get imprisoned in the daystrom institute uh-huh next to Agimus. and i i loved it how she was she the entire time before she had her little turnaround where it'd be like oh i'm gonna get you know sent to a penal colony or something like that yeah because because i i I, w- I went um uh. uh AWOL. I went AWOL on uh, the Cerritos. But I think you know she teleported out and was adrift in space. That's right. Yes. I, kept, I kept thinking she went a AWOL because they yeah. didn't know where they went. Yeah. No one bothered to try and get her
1: uh teleport her onto the on onto anything uh-huh at all. So it's like technically she went AWOL. yeah yeah they did not know to scan for synthetic life though i don't know how that can be different from biological how those life readings change but yeah aside
2: the point oh the 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 point where the Cerritos does show up they see they 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 yeah and they the say, we're
1: not gonna send her to a penal colony we just saw how she saved the day and all that stuff it's like
2: yeah okay it's like okay that's cool but then it's more like oh okay then you see what she did beforehand Yes. it's like oh yeah you can take these ships they don't really use them they're stupid backwater people yeah and they're like oh you just screwed the pooch kid <laughs> did you catch uh
1: the people in the who were in the the away team party that beamed down so uh yeah captain freeman mm-hmm. a couple other people we don't give a care about right and tindy yeah and tindy you know why tindy was there do you remember why Tendi would be would would be there? Uh in no small parts. I know she's training to be a a uh, an officer. She is, but she was also the one that was supposed to be was a uh peanut hampers mentee uh first first uh, voyage mentee. Yeah. She's the one who was meant to show her around the that's, Cerritos. That's right. So she was continuing her job yeah as peanut hampers mentee coming back to talk with her. Mhm.
2: Agreed. I like that. That's a cool little detail. They didn't have to do. No, yeah, I completely agree. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Really, I keep interrupting you this, and this, I apologize. This was a good episode. This is a good episode. And it it, it was like uh, it's like, oh, peanut hamper. It's like, why in the world are you here? hmm Then she has her little redemption arc, and we get like this this nice encounter between the pirates, the cerritos, and the uh the 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 Air, A-Ari- and uh, that was cool. And then yeah. you get the the that, big you get the big revelations like, oh yeah, Peanut Hamper sold them out. Yeah. And I do like actually the design of the Ariories. I thought yeah. they're a well-designed
1: alien race for this. Yeah, agreed. The other cool thing I want to bring up in this that I really appreciated is right there, right after she teleports out into space from no small parts, mm-hmm. and you see, you know, Shax in the shuttlecraft uh-huh. taking Boimler over there and all that, you can hear parts of that episode playing so yeah. you know what's going on and, and you actually even get to hear Shax's last line from those no small parts again uh hang in their baby bear yeah and before it blows up and then of course peanut Harper has to crap all over this whole thing uh-huh. and reminding us that Shax is dead. dead but he's not dead he came back to life and we still don't know how and I think that's the point.
2: Yeah. But anyway anyways.
1: Anywho you ready for the next one? Yeah let's go on to the next one. Next one's fun. Mm-hmm crisis point two paradoxus directed by michael mullen and written by ben rogers in this episode boimler's holodeck movie sequel tries to live up to the original along with playing shacks again mm-hmm. fred tadasior also plays the kazinti ensign that's the bobcat looking guy that was on the bridge of the cerritos oh okay that's
2: a kazinti oh, okay
1: they're like the uh Cations, okay. you know, like uh, the doctor is. Yeah, but they're different. Okay. Uh, Mary Holland plays Helena Gibson, the love interest that doesn't get to be a love interest. Uh oh, yeah, the, yeah. the, Car- the Carol Shelby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, not Carol Shelby. Uh, uh, Carol Marcus. Carol Marcus character. Character Mar- Car- yeah. Carol Shelby created the Mustang. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Seth Morris as the illustrator. I think mm-hmm. that's the guy with the, the tape, the the map tattooed on his back to Kitsy Hop.
2: Oh my gosh, yeah. Star Trek 5. Leonardo
1: Nam as Australian Street Punk. Ben Rogers as both knick-knack and Steve Stevens. I love Knack. <laughs> Carl Tart as Sean. Mm-hmm alice Wetterland as left center and right melponar the melponar triplets and those are their names left center and right wow it's you can just barely make that out in when boimler brings up his holodeck script yeah when he's going to fast forward to the credits yeah you can just barely make out character names and the Melponers are named left center and right oh my gosh <laughs> and also our special guest for this episode George Takei as Captain Hikaru Sulu. Getting into the trivia for this, and bear with me, there is a lot of trivia for this. I can imagine. This episode did not have a standard title card that was traditionally shown in the opening of the first act. The in universe opening sequence of the Holodeck movie features its own title card that nearly matches the name of the real world episode using the Roman numeral two instead of the number two. Ah. As in Crisis Point, this episode is presented in the wider 2.39 by one aspect ratio during the holodeck movie sequences, Mm -hmm. aka the uh, standard movie uh, aspect ratio. But this aspect ratio is limited to the holodeck only. When characters exit to the real world, it switches to the series normal 16 by nine ratio. In fact, Mariner had to step over the black bar to exit the holodeck. She did. <laughs> also, as in Crisis Point, film grain effect is added to the holodeck sequences, mm-hmm. and a Q mark can actually be seen in the upper right-hand corner of the frame at one point. Wow. <laughs> the opening credits and the font used for the location names are drawn from Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. Yes. The planet Tadasior Nine is named after Shax's voice actor, Fred Tadasior. Okay. During the Hollow program, the crew travel back to July 15th, 1982. In the real world, this was the day before Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan premiered in the UK. George Takei reprised his iconic role of Hikaru Sulu after first last portraying the role in live action in the Star Trek Voyager episode Flashback yeah. in 1996. Uh, The holodeck program Crisis 2 Paradoxus references a number of previous Star Trek movies. You knew this Uh, was coming. A little bit, a little bit. The Sovereign Class USS Wayfarer arrives to save the USS Cerritos during its battle with a Valdor-type warbird, alluding to several elements of the battle in Star Trek Nemesis. Yeah. Furthermore, the Kazinti Khan officer interrupts Captain Freeman's incomplete order for the crew to escape pods, with captain incoming ship it's the wayfarer echoing the uss defiance con after interrupting Worf's order for ramming speed in star trek first contact with sir there's another starship coming in it's the enterprise
2: it also, and then you get the exact same shot of where the wayfarers mm-hmm. one of it's from the exact <laughs> same <laughs> shot. <laughs> it also
1: resembles boimler's declaration on the arrival of the titan in the episode no small parts oh, okay the Mel Ponar triplets are a reference to the Duras sisters, Lursa and mm. Bator, two reoccurring characters who were the secondary antagonists in Star Trek generations. Yes. And like I said earlier in Boimler's holoscript, the three centers were identified as left center and right. right. Jeez. <laughs> Mariners line about the movie having a time travel plot. And if it will involve the assassination of John F. Kennedy, is a direct reference to Gene Roddenberry's scrapped plot idea for the initial sequel to Star Trek The Motion Picture, in which the Klingons would use the Guardian of Forever to travel back in time to thwart the Kennedy assassination, leaving the crew of the Enterprise to set things right. I
2: remember that. No, you don't! That didn't happen! I remember hearing about it.
1: (laughs) When Boimler describes part of the plot to Mariner about how the Romulans intend to on using the chronogami to rewrite any part of history, Mariner asks if that means it makes a cinematic alternate universe that runs concurrent to their own, but with other people playing younger versions of themselves, (laughs) referencing the 2009 Star Trek film, and it's setting in an alternate reality. Uh The stopover at the Europa lab has many similarities to Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. Uh The lab itself is similar to Regular One, and it includes... The Zabruski Turnbow Drive, also known as the most important device in the universe. Do you know what I'm not talking about? No idea. Do you know the device in many movies, including Star Trek 2 The Wrath of Khan, yeah. that has two has two tubes running parallel to each other with blinking red lights going in a circle? Yes. That. And it is in so many things. It is. And like they you're... did it. Put it in here, too. <laughs> it's even in uh, Airplane 2, which okay. is the sequel to Airplane. Plane? And it has, and and that's where William Shatner is playing uh, the guy on, on the space station that they're because that airplane goes into space. And it's there, and Shatner, Shatner asks uh, what they've learned about everything. And the guy says, We still don't know what this device does. It just has lights going in a uh, moving in a line. We have no idea, We'll just research it. We got to find out. Okay, what else have you figured out? Well, these bl- lights in this other machine don't just keep blinking out of sequence, we'll make them blink in sequence. It's airplane. It's the yes. only funny scene in the movie because the rest of it is repeating airplane one. Got it. But anyway. Uh Dr. Gibson and her strange relationship with Dagger resembles the same of Carol Marcus and James T. Kirk. And the briefing video's production style resembles the Genesis device briefing video. Yes. Gibson's attire also resembled that of Dr. Marcus. Yes. The Wayfair and the Cerritos crews following the Romulans back in time to prevent whatever damage they may do to the timeline is similar to the USS Enterprise-E crew following the Borg back in Star Trek First Contact. Mm-hmm. The algae crisis plot of an aquatic species helping to avert a disaster is similar to the humpback whales helping to prevent an alien probe from destroying Earth in Star Trek IV The Voyage Home. Yes, another one. Another holodeck simulation of the founding of the Federation appears in the Enterprise episode these are the voyages hmm. which served as not just the ending of enterprise but the ending of star trek for a while hmm. the exterior shot of starfleet headquarters near the golden gate bridge was originally created for star trek 4, the voyage home hmm. and has been reused in next generation episodes conspiracy and voyagers non sequitur the Romulan's bomb design is the same as the Thaleron Generator from Star Trek Nemesis. Okay, I remember that. The quest to find the meaning of life <laughs> and the godlike entity of Kitty ha is similar to Cybok's quest to find Shakari and the godlike entity that inhabited it in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Oh my god. Or as I like to call it, Captain Kirk saves the universe from Not God. <laughs>
2: oh yeah I, I hope you're gonna bring this up but if you don't i'm bringing it up <laughs> uh knack, blowing up the wall of the brig to free boimler
1: and mariner is similar to montgomery scott doing the same to free kirk spock and mccoy in star trek five the final frontier yeah. the third moon of shatanari is similar to the name shakari from star trek five the final frontier shakari was an allusion to sean connery who was considered to be cast in the role of Cybok shatanari alludes to william shatner whom writer ben rogers had considered for this episode oh my gosh so yeah shatanari shatner i wonder <laughs> the reveal of kitty ha oh my gosh! being yes. the evolution of the kitty hawk flyer <laughs> pearl parallels the reveal of Voyager being the evolution of the voyager six probe in star trek the motion, motion picture. picture both kitty ha and V'ger's names are also corruptions of their original names i was like kitty ha oh, i no, told you that Kitty-ha. Kitty-ha. i told you that friday I was like i hope i'm not spoiling anything no nah. surely he won't make this connection too soon i
2: was like kitty hawk Ki- kitty
1: hawk <laughs>
2: i was like you're kidding me
1: boimler dreams of being on kirk's ranch in idaho with hikaru sulu and asks if he is in the nexus the ranch appeared to kirk and jean-luc picard when they were inside the nexus in star trek generations interesting note that section was not presented in letterbox
2: oh it wasn't no it wasn't
1: but they but you get i got so wrapped up when it, when i watched it i didn't catch that hmm boimler dealing with the death of his trans oh yeah th- now we're getting to the big stuff
2: uh exactly
1: boimler dealing with the death of his transporter clone is similar to where picard had to deal with the loss of his brother and nephew in a house fire in star trek generations that's right ransom says that william boimler was killed by a gas leak of neurocine gas the same poison used by the counterinsurgency program in deep space 9's episode civil defense oh ransom says his best friends are honest westlake and matt there are characters we've met before oh, okay but westlake is actually a reference to series composer whose last name is westlake i can't remember his first hmm. name my apologies boimler says that he should have stayed a raisin farmer and married leanne in this episode <laughs> william boimler asking the section 31 agent why a clandestine organization would use a special com badge references Star Trek Discovery, which introduced the Section 31 Combat badge in its second season, set at a time when Section 31 was openly the official intelligence branch of Starfleet before the organization went rogue. William Boimler secretly defects from Starfleet for Section Thirty-One. The first known transporter clone, Thomas Riker, mm-hmm. also defected from Starfleet to join the Maquis in twenty-three seventy. Which means I want to point this out. Oh my gosh! When I brought that up when we were doing season when we at the beginning of season two, yeah, I called it. <laughs> And do you know how hard it was to not say anything <laughs> four weeks ago. Eight, eight episodes, seven, yeah, eight episodes ago yeah. when we had last had William Boymer on the show. Because I had already seen this episode. <laughs> and I was going, can't say it, I
2: can't say it. I can't say it. I can't
1: say it. I
2: alluded to it, but I can't <laughs> say it. <laughs> you did. You did
1: that's actually the end of my trivia oh my gosh what do you think of this episode oh my
2: gosh. your, your trivia was even just much trippier than anything else it was great there's so much that's that is not even all of
1: it that's just all people have recorded
2: yeah but yeah the all the references <laughs> the, the 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 point where boimler is he's defeated because he believes that his his teleporter clone has died and he's trying to deal with it and he wants to know the the meaning of life and like, what, what is life of meaning? And the, the oh my God, I so
1: dude. wanted the giant God rock thing that was kitsy Ha to say 47. Do you know why? No. First off, in science fiction, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Okay. What is the answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything? I've told you this many yes, times.
3: 42.
1: Right, 42. But here's the thing. In Star Trek, the most common number that reference comes up because it was a running gag for three series hmm. was 47. If you go back and watch stuff like, uh, like I know you won't go back and watch the episodes because you it's not that you won't, but you're not in a hurry to, right. but you go back to like say Star Trek generations when uh, Scotty is saying how many people he was able to transport off of the, uh, the Elorian Orion ship before yeah. it blew up. He says, I got 47. Out of 150, and there's things like that all across all of Star Trek, where all all these shows, because they just kept using number 47 over and over again. So it's like you could have made you could have made me laugh even more if if the first thing the stupid robot said when he asked what is the meaning of life, and he just said 47, I would have been like, you know what's going on, <laughs> and they do know a lot of what's going on,
2: and. and That just wasn't the joke they thought of, but anyway. Oh yeah. Be like the point where Bornbler like meets this meets uh kitty kitty ha kitty ha. Kitty ha. Kitty ha kitty ha. -ha. Oh my gosh, that was so terribly funny. And so be he starts getting like uh uh mariners like it's just generating word generating words. (laughs) It's you literally the holodeck literally created an inspirational quote generator, yeah. And I love how Mariner the entire time it's like just giving comment like the entire yes. time and like movie references the whole bit. Like, what are we going back in time? It's like the stupid thing. And it's great. And so mm. when 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 Boiler has had enough and he starts digging the kitty hawk, and, like he starts digging. Like, yes, he's like, oh, that feels good. Oh, don't do that. Yeah, and, and but, when he gets down in there, he <laughs> finds the kitty hawk, he finds the kitty hawk like, flyer and gets says, that doesn't make any sense.
1: And I'm like, I don't care. I know what you just referenced. And that was amazing. Oh, my God. I was like, yeah, you're right. It doesn't make any sense.
2: Guess what? It makes only a little bit more sense for V'ger. That is true because that movie made no sense. <laughs> to me, it didn't. But anyways, it's it was better in a theater. I'll say oh, that. Oh, okay. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. But uh, the, the main part I absolutely loved is when... Um, his his clone shows back up and they like they oh, i love the back p- and they pop him
1: i oh. loved the part right before that where it says you know, at least you didn't end on a cliffhanger everybody hates when you do yeah. that yeah boom it's like we're getting a cliffhanger, cliffhanger. and you go into it and it's a photon torpedo yeah. tube casing yes. it's like oh no what are you about to do it's like oh that's oh uh, that's clever that is super clever. Yes. And thus, the second episode of <laughs> the William Poindler arc starts. Not really. <laughs> we still don't know anything about this character other than now he's working for Section Thirty One.
2: Oh my gosh! So the, I, the I, most evil organization in Starfleet. I do have an idea for the uh, the artwork. <laughs> and it's just more like, okay, maybe it's the 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 donkey holding the little black badge. <laughs>
1: I thought he'd be riding the (laughs) kitty-ha. That will
2: confuse everybody. (laughs) That would be kind of fun. (laughs) They're like, what? You got to watch the episode. You got to, I can't explain it. You just, just do it. That doesn't
3: make any sense.
1: (sighs) anyway do you have any uh, i guess no. i should talk I, I, you can tell i loved this episode yes because dude even the stuff that was not making active references yeah to start to other half stuff like tindy and rutherford's entire yeah. arc which i haven't even talked about yet no she gets to be captain for the first time and she's and apparently she's got a bit of a uh what do you call it a uh inferiority complex or she doesn't think anyone will listen to her if she's captain yeah because rutherford is not taking this thing seriously, seriously. oh my god i'm like you know what i'm with rutherford on this yes steal the steal the punks close see if he's got a uh a, a boom box
3: <laughs> gosh
1: because <laughs> that was the first thing i thought of when i saw the australian street punks this is when is this 86 this guy is going to go on to direct the Muppets. Because <laughs> that's Kirk Thatcher, who does yes. a lot of the Muppet stuff yes. later on. Yes. Or <laughs> producer of a lot of the Muppet stuff. But <laughs> oh at this point, they need to bring a Muppet in there because that would be funny. Oh, no. What they need to do on this show uh-huh. at some point? No good reason. Seth McFarlane. Oh, no. Don't have to go to the Orville. Yeah. They'll never get Disney to play for that, but just have Seth McFarlane come in as just a random character. Yeah. He's actually, Seth McFarlane has actually been in Star Trek before. Yeah. He's in Nemesis for like a hot second. Yeah. Bring him back. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> have him walk in with a oh, white so, uniform. As, so, as so many Star Trek peak actors have been on the Orville,
3: mm-hmm.
1: bring Seth McFarlane over. Just have him walk on have him walk on stage preferably in in something similar to his orville uh, costume it's like i'm in the wrong i think i walked in the wrong transporter beam
2: (laughs) it's like
1: anyway now this the the whole uh, if you're listening paramount this is a great movie yeah great movie this is a great episode yes it is uh i was a little worried going into this because when i because they actually announced the title of this like far earlier than all the others because mm-hmm. like, i we knew the i knew the title of this like by episode two of season three is
3: mm-hmm.
1: when i saw it on the list and thought they're redoing this they surely they're not running out of ideas already no it's just it's just that crisis point one was making fun of all the great moments mm-hmm. in star trek film, film mystery now we're gonna make fun of all oh. the bad ones yes <laughs> the weird things it's like Good night. The only thing we're missing here is Data saying he can, in, in the event of emergency, he can be used as a flotation device. Nice. <laughs> That's about all we're missing here in a holodeck ship. Yeah, We haven't gotten a holodeck ship yet. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Next time. Uh, but yeah, this is this, I enjoyed this episode. It's fun. Mm. And of course, I like seeing Tendy's growth recently. Yeah, agreed.
3: It was fun getting to see
1: her. And of course, Rutherford's just having a good time. Mm -hmm. Having a good time. Having a good time. Okay, moving on. So, yeah. Yep. Any other thoughts before we close this out? No, I'm I'm good. Next week, we get the final two episodes Mm -hmm. of season three, which are... If I can get this up... Trusted Sources Mm -hmm. and... The stars at night. Hmm. Interesting.
2: I know you want to say a lot. I
1: want to say a lot. All I will say is these will be the last, the, the, so far the last two episodes in the Alito arc. (laughs)
3: <laughs>
1: join us next time for that uh along with of course rudolph the red-nosed reindeer boy this is going to be two weird mashups
2: yes it is It's not that we haven't work. had
1: that already uh but join us next time for that in the meantime do you got anything else before we cut out
2: no i'm good
1: all right in the meantime this is drew this is jacob and we'll catch you in the next frame
0: you can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B Heron, his Facebook page Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day, his Instagram at Jacob B Heron, his Twitter at Jacob Heron, and his letterbox at Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen, his Facebook page Drew's Photo Bin to see his photography, his letterbox page at G George Seven Five Nine, his Twitter at G George Seven Five Nine and Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast, on Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming, on YouTube at Cellcast, on Twitter at cast underscore cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us, and also on Podchaser. Email us at Podcast at gmail.com. The Cell cast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box media networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell, with a single L.
3: in the trash compactor again, maybe we can take her to the Tanner.